This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Committed is a production of iHeartRadio. Well, I had a tube stuck down my throat, so I couldn't talk. Here I was, like, confined to a bed, confined to, like, kind of darkness and silence. My heart was so numb, I think, from so much trauma. I just, I couldn't access, like, how I felt about everything, especially I couldn't access, like, how I felt about Kelsey at the time. Leah had just found out she was paralyzed from the chest down after a 22,000-pound piece of construction equipment fell on her while she was working at a construction site. She was confined to a hospital bed. She and her longtime boyfriend, Kelsey, had been broken up for about a year at that point. But he rushed to be with her after her accident. In that moment, Leah felt something inside of her shift she suddenly discovered a humility that she never knew that she had. She discovered that she needed Kelsey and that it was okay to need someone else. She discovered that she had to change in order to fully commit herself to this relationship. On his birthday, on September 4th, I was stuck in an MRI machine. I think I started thinking about asking him to marry me. And uh, maybe the next day I was sitting in the hospital room alone with him. And I said, would you want to get married to me? And he said, of course. (laughs) And I was just like, okay, let's do it. And together, right before the COVID-19 pandemic, the two of them figured out how to navigate a completely different life from the one they'd expected to have. 
getting whacked in the head by a telehandler really uh, changed my mind about things. So I love Leah so much that, like, when she asked to marry me, I was like, yeah, of course. And then I think, like, just the... I was just, like, at peace all of a sudden with the whole thing. And that feeling didn't really ever change. Like, I never got cold feet. And my joke is that, well, I can't feel them anyway, so maybe that's why I... <laughs> Never got cold feet. I'm Joe Piazza. This is Committed. Do you want me to start, Kelsey? Yeah, you go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I had just come back from graduating college in St. Louis. I was born and raised in Rapid City, South Dakota, and I graduated with an art degree, so I didn't really know what to do. (laughs) So I came to live with my parents again, and it was kind of a rough transition, but I knew that I needed to make friends because like, all of my high school friends weren't living here anymore. Leah's sister was living at home while she went to college for computer engineering. She invited Leah to come bowling one night with a bunch of her friends. Kelsey actually picked us up from our house. And when I first saw him, I was like, oh, he's cute. But like his clothes were not cute. (laughs) Baggy jeans. And did you have like a jersey on, Kelsey? Yeah, I had like a Converse jersey and a flat brim cap. Yeah. Sometimes I like to dress up. So, yeah, we went bowling and I met some of his other friends who were very... They've definitely looked down upon the fact that I was an artist instead of an engineer. And Kelsey, on the other hand, was like very interested in my art. And that definitely gave him a few tally marks on his <laughs> scorecard, I guess. Yeah, and then we just kept hanging out. He kept on badgering me about going to different hiking spots with him and like going cliff jumping and... I knew that I shouldn't probably jump into a relationship right away. And then it kind of happened. And Kelsey was like, I really shouldn't be getting into a relationship right now because I'm in school and it's crazy. And yeah, uh, fate, I suppose. (laughs) Oh, I thought she was pretty cool and also weird. So Leah was weird enough to, to go do stuff with. I think she, she weird, in, weird in what way? In a good way, you know. Like has I don't know, just just weird thought processes. Just uh, not not like normal. It's fun, interesting conversation. Like when you talk to her, she'll she has you know. It's interesting to speak to her because she sees things from different views and and it's more interesting. She did leave out the part where she did, avoided my, me for months. So not yeah. avoiding me, but she, I, I kept asking her if she wanted to go for a hike or if she wanted to go cliff jumping or, you know, go out to the lake. And she would answer the phone or she would text back, but she was like, oh, I'm busy or which to her, to her credit, she was busy. That bowling date was in September. By November, Leah was finally a little less busy and they started to hang out. 
it wasn't too long before they were seriously dating. My sister, she said that she had been talking to Kelsey and she was like, I have never heard him talk about somebody like he talked about you, which of course, like every girl wants that. So it's like, <laughs> so she was kind of a matchmaker. Yeah, that is exactly what, what we have all been trained to want to hear for our entire lives. Yeah, I think part of the reason I was playing hard to get is just like kind of the way that I was raised. Like, this is what you do if you like somebody like you don't entertain them all the time. <laughs> for the record, the, the hard to get game that didn't help. It didn't hurt, but it didn't help. I just just want you to know that I was actually the first person to kiss Kelsey. So or not the first person, but I was the first one to kiss. The first time I said, I love you to Kelsey, it was just the same way. It was like, I was getting out of his car, going back to my house. I'm like, I love you. And I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't mean to say that. I also got a casual bye, I love you within the first three weeks of my relationship. But I was like, excuse me, what ha- What just happened? Um, and, then I'm, and then I married that man. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, something I read a while ago about, uh, relationship advice it was like don't marry the person who like you get fireworks with all the time marry the person who you find yourself at peace with and I just really like that kind of I think like peace is what you are really looking for and that like seems to strike true with me when I'm thinking back with the early days of our relationship like it was just like fun to hang out together. Yeah, it's nice to be comfortable around someone. Aaliyah and Kelsey were 22 and 23 when they met. They spent the next few years just dating, having adventures, and trying to enjoy life together. We went on backpacking trips and canoeing and, uh, I don't know, typical. Went cliff jumping a lot. What else did we do? We built a tiny house together. But we learned a lot building that tiny house. We probably learned that building that tiny house. Kelsey taught me, you know, how to put together walls and, and I'm pretty, I'm pretty good with construction, I'd say. So like, it makes sense. I feel like we made a lot of mistakes or like things that I wouldn't do anymore on the tiny house, but it was really fun. I kind of discovered a part of myself that I didn't know about before that was you know like strong and capable of building things i was trying to make it functional and you were trying to make it aesthetically pleasing and then we had to have these uh come to jesus sometimes and which one we were going to choose i think one of our things is that we're both very creative people but we're very different thinkers um kelsey's like very mechanically inclined whereas i'm very artistically inclined and so i think about the aesthetics and like the feeling of things a lot. And he thinks about like the functionality of things. And so ultimately it's probably good that there's those different brains thinking about it. After we built a tiny house, Kelsey got a job at an aluminum plant in Kentucky. He's a metallurgist. And so we moved down to Kentucky. Leah was not psyched about this move. She wasn't psyched. She didn't want to do it. But... She loved Kelsey, and she wanted to be with him. After they moved, they were in a really remote area, far away from any towns or cities. Kelsey was traveling all the time for work, and Leah was home alone without a career. 
people I did find to hang out with were they lived an hour away. And so that was tough during that time. Yeah, I think I was um, I dealt with a lot of anxiety and some depression and I got really confused about what I really wanted. And if I really didn't feel ready to commit to Kelsey, he actually proposed. (laughs) Not many people know this story, but he actually proposed maybe three years after we had started dating. I think it was right before he moved to Kentucky. He made a ring for me and we went to the Tetons and there was like this gorgeous beach with all these rocks and all of a sudden he like gets down on one knee and has this ring and he's like, will you marry me? And I said, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. I can't answer you. (laughs) And he was okay with that. Amazingly. I think a lot of other men would have left, (laughs) you know, but we just kept doing us, I guess. And I think it was tough for me because I grew up in a pretty conservative upbringing, I guess. And I think I felt pressure from friends and family, like either get married or break up. This in-between is not a good place to be. But for some reason, I just, like, couldn't say yes. And so, like, fast forward from that, um, down in Kentucky, realized that I was not happy down there. My mental state was not good. And so I ended up moving back home to South Dakota and breaking up with Kelsey. And I think we had, like, a three-month period of not talking to each other, really. I mean... We had like a couple text messages because we had to work out some just like logistics for moving and stuff. When my mom and my aunt and I went down to Kentucky to get my belongings, it was Kelsey's birthday and I made him a like birthday dinner and he was just so gracious about what was happening. And I don't know, I think, you know, I obviously felt really conflicted and bad about leaving but I was like you know what this is gonna be for the best and so yeah so I moved home got a job at Habitat for Humanity working as a full-time construction laborer and then I was at that job for about a year before the accident happened. That accident would change both Leah and Kelsey's lives and their relationship forever. More when we get back from a quick break. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile... The ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. 
I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. Is he breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle. And I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Building that tiny house together. By the way, I love the idea of building a tiny house together. I obsess about building a tiny house sometimes. Doing that had made Leah realize just how much she loved working construction, how much she loved building things and working with her hands. So when she returned to South Dakota after she and Kelsey broke up, she got a job with Habitat for Humanity building houses. 
we were putting up rafters with a machine called the Telehandler, which is a 22,000 pound machine. And I would hold on to the guide rope with the ra- uh, of the rafter and it had rained really hard. The ground was, you know, really slick and muddy. And all of a sudden the Telehandler started to tip. And I don't remember any of this, but it pinned me down to the ground right on top of my right leg. And I was under there for 45 minutes, struggling to live. My femoral artery on my right leg got severed. And luckily there was a guy on site who had been a former Marine. So he like jumped on, whipped off his belt and tied it around as a tourniquet. And then as I was laying under the machine, there was my full bloodstream was replaced. They got me to the hospital. They called my mom and... Yeah, and so there were just like a few days where I really don't remember. But Kelsey, maybe you can say more about that. Her brother actually called, her, her younger brother, uh, youngest in the family, uh, called and, well, no, actually texted. He said, because she just got in an accident. I said, what happened? And he said, by the way, he's a young, young kid. So it's not a tactful way to break it. And I said, what happened? And he said, a telehandler fell on her and she's paralyzed from the chest down and i was like this seems like a joke or something like some sick joke he's playing on me so i called him i was like what are you i was like is this like you just messing with me he's like no he's like i said well i was like can i talk to your parents or something and he put her dad on the phone and i started asking her dad a bunch of questions and uh, basically he was like yeah that's what happened he's pretty matter of fact about it just kind of it's like i don't we don't have any more information other than that so it was like uh, you know i was worried Asking a bunch of questions that he didn't know is probably kind of annoying because he, you know, didn't have the answers to that anyway. Kelsey booked the very first flight he could find, and he went straight to the hospital. I walked in, and, and I think because you had been, like, spelling in your sister's hands, like, with your finger before. But when I walked in, I kind of sat down next to you, but then you kind of woke up a little bit, and, and you were just eager to eager to talk. And you started spelling in my hand, and, yeah, you were... Uh, yeah, <laughs> you, I couldn't get you to stop spelling. I was like, you should probably sleep. You know, you should go back to sleep, take, get some rest. And you're just, you just shook your head. You're like, ah. Well, I had a tube stuck down my throat, so I couldn't talk. And I was finger spelling into my sister's hands. And I just remember like that feeling of that was my only escape. Here I was like confined to a bed, confined to like kind of darkness and silence and the only way out was to communicate with my family by like spelling words into their hands yeah I just remember like really wanting to communicate with them I don't know I had gone through some crazy things (laughs) so actually the doctors had to tell me a couple different times that I was paralyzed and I wouldn't be running again But yeah, I do remember as well, like there was sort of like this inky blackness that was calling me. And I knew that if I went there, I wouldn't be in pain anymore. But every time I felt that way, somebody would come and hold my hand. And one of those people I remember was my little brother, Will. And then another person was Kelsey. And... I just knew that, like, I had to stick around for both of them and for my family in general. But, yeah, those two um, were very, 
important to keeping me around, I think. My heart was so numb from so much trauma. I just, I couldn't access like how I felt about everything, especially I couldn't access like how I felt about Kelsey at the time. And, you know, my family or my sister would say like, how do you feel about Kelsey being here? And I was like, I I can't, I can't even think about it. Like, I don't know why, I just can't figure out my emotions about it at all. But then on his birthday, on September 4th, I was stuck in an MRI machine. It is probably the worst scan available because it sounds like you're in World War III, like lasers shooting around you and like, and it's so noisy. And I was only supposed to be in there for half an hour. And two hours later, I got pulled out. <laughs> so uh, I had a lot of time to just think about things. And I was really thinking a lot about Kelsey and how like we had just been such good friends for like eight years and that he came back and I don't know. And so I can't remember how long it was after that, but one day we were just sitting. I think I started thinking about asking him to marry me. And uh, maybe the next day I was sitting in the hospital room alone with him. And I said, would you want to get married to me? And he said, of course. (laughs) And I was just like, okay, let's do it. (laughs) Suddenly it felt very right. I sort of had a premonition uh, in the year before my accident. Well, Kelsey and I weren't together that kind of went through my head and I didn't know why, but like if I were to get married to Kelsey, I would be the one that had to change, not him. And I didn't even know what that meant because I... I have quite a bit of self-esteem, uh, high self-esteem. And so I was like, you know, I, I'm perfect. I <laughs> I can't change for the better. And then a telehandler fell on me and I was like, oh, whoa. You know, this is a huge change, you know. It's not something I anticipated at all. But I think, like, I realized that I'm dependent on people. And, like, it takes a ton of humility to be in that position. But I think one of the things that didn't work in our previous relationship is that I had too much pride and I just, for some reason, like losing my last name was a big deal, which it shouldn't be, you know, that's so trivial. But whenever I thought about like changing my last name to Fitzgerald, I was like, ah, I don't want to lose the Nixon name, you know? And I don't know. Yeah, just getting whacked in the head by a telehandler really uh, changed my mind about things. So, Kelsey, what was your reaction when she asked you to marry her? I don't know. I mean, I just kind of was like, yeah, of course. I, you know, I'd, I, I think I had actually like asked her to marry me twice, but the second time was kind of a joke because she already told me no <laughs> the first time. So the, the first time was real. And then the second time I was like, will you marry me? I think we were coming down a mountain in Colorado in the middle yeah. of winter and it was like 15 below zero and we had slept the night up on like a 14,000 foot peak. I just jokingly said, I got on a knee, I said, will you marry me? And I was like, I'm just kidding. You don't, you don't have to answer that. <laughs> so I just, I don't know. I like, I, just, I love Leah so much that like when she asked to marry me, I was like, yeah, of course. What else was I going to say about that? Um... 
Shoot. I don't I know. I would assume you wanted to mention the rainbow afterwards. Yeah, that's right. Okay. You read my mind. So yep. <laughs> after we decided to get married in the ICU, uh, my sister walked in and... I was like, my heart was beating so fast. And then I was like, hey, guess what, Grace? And she was like, what? I said, we just got engaged. And she was like, oh my gosh, no way. And uh, she was like so excited and happy. And then and then a few, like maybe 10 minutes later, my mom comes in and she's like, you wouldn't believe it. Perfect timing. There's a rainbow right outside the hospital. And I was like, uh, wait, do you know? And she's like, now what? I said, Kelsey and I just got engaged and she was like oh my gosh so she went and got some Martinelli's uh, some bubbly and and she got these like silly little rings out of one of my drawers in my old bedroom so I had the choice between like a jingle bell ring and chunky plastic ring with a parrot on it (laughs) and yeah so that was fun and then I think like just the I was just like at peace all of a sudden with the whole thing and and that feeling didn't really ever change like I never got cold feet and my joke is that well I can't feel them anyway so maybe that's why I (laughs) never got cold feet Leah was in the ICU for a month and rehab for six months after that then we got home and we got married in July so not even a year later, we got married. So it was pretty, a pretty intense, crazy time, but that's kind of our style, so. Time for a quick break. When we get back, Leah and Kelsey try to figure out how to navigate early married life and Leah's recovery. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. 
Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. Is he breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle. And I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. How is your relationship different now? And Kelsey, how how do you have to how do you have to take care of her? And how are you able to take care of Kelsey in turn? I kind of make it a point to really not take care of her. <laughs> so she takes care of herself. I do the same things that anybody, any other husband would do for their wife, basically. And uh, I kind of, you know, uh, okay. Other than the fact I have to lift her into vehicles sometimes and stuff like that. There's, you know, things like that. But I want her in the vehicle, so I don't really consider it something for her, you know. It's not really me taking her care of her. It's, I need, you know, I want her to come with me. So, got to get her in the vehicle. I can still drive. So, luckily, I have hand function and my arms are pretty strong, so it gives me a lot of independence that some people don't have. But yeah, so trying to think of other things that Kelsey does so sometimes. I get to play doctor sometimes. Yeah. And change it catheter. <laughs> it's kind of exciting. It's like I'm in an episode of House. Leah doesn't work in construction anymore, but she has since turned her side hustle into a full-time business and passion. 
That same day that she started working for Habitat for Humanity, she launched a stationery company with her sister Grace called Tiny and Snail. Back then, she had no idea that she would ever be able to work on it full time. And I got my answer a lot sooner than I had hoped, but it really did give me like a lot of purpose for healing. Grace and I just like, we have a really special sister relationship. And it's just been like a really important part of my happiness over the last year. Speaking of, like Kelsey has been just so supportive of all of my artistic ventures. And I feel like that's really important to me to have somebody. And he, we always joke about like, you know, our goal is to make him a stay at home dad. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm working as hard as I can to make that true. So do you guys want kids? What, what's your plan for kids in the future? I say as I, I just heard my children be released into the house. <laughs> oh, release the hounds. Well, yeah, we both would like to have kids. You know, since we started dating, he was living with his sister and she has four young kids. And then I had my little brother who was young too when we started dating. And I feel like since the beginning, we've talked a lot about parenting, like probably a lot more than a lot of people do. And we sort of, I think we have very similar sort of parenting styles or philosophies. And yeah, so unfortunately, well, I I got pregnant in January of 2020. And then I lost the baby at 11 weeks. It was hard. But you know, after like enduring so much other trauma in my life, I just feel like I was upset for a few days. And then, you know, you kind of just, uh, you know, buckle up and get get over it. So I don't know. But like with COVID, it's been very hard because I haven't felt in a comfortable position to try to get pregnant again because I just have to be very careful with this new body of mine. I don't have a great like lung capacity. So coughing is very difficult. And I am just scared of what would happen if, you know, I was pregnant and had COVID, I would be in the hospital and it might be a very terrible situation. So we've been pretty careful about not really kissing much this year. (laughs) Like I think the amount of kisses that we have could be like counted on a hand probably, Um, which is weird for a first year of marriage, right? It's like, (laughs) I don't know. A lot of people don't, end up in this position the first year of marriage, but I suppose, I don't know. We're paying back taxes or something. I don't know. Leah and Kelsey did not have a conventional road to marriage, but they also haven't had a very conventional first year of marriage. Kelsey hasn't just been helping Leah recover from her injuries. They were also suddenly isolated together during a global pandemic. I almost feel like in some ways our relationship is very advanced. Like we're dealing with stuff that most people deal with in their 60s or 70s, which is interesting. You know, I think it puts things in perspective. And I also think that from COVID, we've had to figure out different ways of communicating with each other. We can't really rely on physical touch anymore. So it's really like when something's bothering us, like we talk about it. And I think that's been a really important lesson for me in this past year is just like 
I really enjoy being married, actually. And it's funny because I didn't realize that I would enjoy it so much. But like one of the things that I really like about it is that when you have a disagreement, it's not that like, oh, I'm I'm disagreeing with this person. Maybe I should break up with them. It's like, no, I'm disagreeing with this person. I'm committed to this person. So I'm going to fix it. (laughs) Like I'm, I'm going to, you know, we're going to work it out. And, um, I just really like that. I I have this image that I wrote about on Instagram, but that like dating for eight years was like carrying around a potted tree kind of, and it was getting so heavy and I didn't know where to put it. And, (laughs) and then when I got married, it was like all of a sudden, like putting that plant in the ground and like letting it sort of do its thing and flourish and be committed and I really think that like without commitment it's hard to truly love someone or get love in return I don't know if that makes sense yeah you take the like the the uh, gardener's analogy I, I kind of take the, like the builder's analogy I think like you build a marriage you know it's like a relief you know we're married and we kind of just build on it every day yeah growing though I guess right Sure. Or making it, you know, stronger, mm. better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Same thing. Really. Same thing, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we originally had a different end for this episode when we recorded it nearly a year ago. But then Leah had a little update for us. Hey, Joe, I just wanted to send an update. I am five and a half months pregnant and we're expecting a baby girl at the end of July. And Kelsey and I are just so excited. We're just so thrilled and we're really excited about the life we've kind of created in the last few years that's stable and creative and filled with joy and animals. And I'm just really excited to see a new little life, um, experiencing everything new. And yeah, so just wanted to let you know that we're still committed and uh, we're really excited for this next chapter in our lives. This episode of Committed was hosted and reported by Joe Piazza. A special thanks to Leah Nixon and Kelsey Fitzgerald. Supervising producer is Ramsey Young. The executive producers are Joe Piazza and Tyler Klang. Theme song and music by Tristan McNeil. For comments, suggestions, or to be part of the show, give us a call at 404-996-1173. That's 404-996-1173. Or send us an email at Joe at committedpodcast.com that's j-o at committedpodcast.com you can grab a copy of joe's book how to be married on amazon or wherever books are sold committed is a production of iHeartRadio and produced in our studios located in atlanta georgia for more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows 
A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. Breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.